The following podcast represents the opinions of the host and is for educational purposes. These are not accusations, and everybody is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. On August 14th, 2018, the entire town of Frederick was doing all they could to find the missing wife and two daughters. And Facebook groups were buzzing with alerts and messages of support. Law enforcement took action immediately, and I'm sure they already had their suspicions. In most investigations, the first 48 hours are critical. Investigators need to speak to everybody involved before their memories start to fade. As soon as police got the call reporting the disappearance of Shanae Watts and her two daughters, Bella and Celeste, they acted quick. With cases such as these, the spouse is naturally the first suspect, and in this case, police had good reason to suspect this. Chris was displaying odd behavior, and his entire demeanor was not usual for someone whose entire family was just gone. Instead of trying to locate his family, or at least pretend like he was trying to, his focus was instead speaking with Nicole Kessinger and I'm sure they had a lot to discuss, and a lot to work out. How the next 24 hours would play out was anyone's guess. On the morning of August 14th, 2018, Chris's friend Nick Fayer texted to ask if everything was okay, and if he heard anything from police. Nothing yet, Chris responded. That morning, Nick and Amanda drove over to see Chris. At this point, the media was contacting them for any information related to the case, and when they arrived at the Watts' home, they noticed Chris just looked tired, and he didn't seem like himself. That's when Chris told Amanda that he and Shanann were putting the house onto the market. They wanted to downsize, and the house was too big and too much of a financial burden. Maybe that's why Shanann was mad at him, he suggested. He never mentioned there being anybody else in his life, and he never mentioned a girlfriend. Later that night, Chris would text Nick to tell him Frederick Police wanted to talk to him. Nick and Amanda offered to come out for support, and they met Chris at the police station, Squad interview room 2 is a small room, with white walls, a dark floor, and a small white table with four chairs and a box of Kleenex on top of it. On the wall, a clock ticks away. It's the only sound that fills this room. The time reads 8 o'clock p.m., but the minutes pass by, the sound of the ticking growing louder and louder. Then, at 8.07 p.m., there's a buzzing noise, and then the sound of people approaching, the sound growing louder. Then two men enter the frame. Chris Watts is one of them, and he takes a seat. At this point, I can't imagine what's going on through his head. Special Agent Coder has a few questions for Chris Watts. And this would be the first conversation the two would have regarding the disappearance of Shanann Watts and their two daughters. As Agent Coder is out of the room, Chris Watts just sits staring at the wall ahead of him. He's put his cell phone on the table and he's just waiting. He looks uncomfortable and shuffles in his seat. Then Agent Coder comes back into the room. I'm going to sit next to you so we're going to get it together. Instead of sitting across from Chris, he sits beside him. This is just a friendly conversation. Just a few questions. He told Chris this shouldn't take long and it's all just routine. Um, so in fact, you know, why don't, let's do this. Um, so I work a lot of stuff like this in bank robberies and when I talk to a, you know, a witness at a bank robbery, 
sometimes I find it best for them to just say, uh, I just say, uh, tell me what happened, <laughs> get it all out, and then once you get it out, let's go over it, okay? So just get it all out as far as this. Tell me exactly what you remember, and I'll take notes about where we can go. Okay. So this 1.48 a.m. But then, Agent Coder gets up. He switches chairs with Chris, essentially putting himself between Chris Watts and the door. Let me switch chairs. Okay. Yeah, when they come knocking. Do you need more water? No. At this point, the walls were closing in on Chris Watts. And as Chris continues to break down his version of events, the minutes pass by. And eventually he surrenders his phone to Agent Coder. Um, do you have a sense that the police here, or the FBI here, do you have a sense that we have a good enough list of people to call and check with? So I, I think so, because I've I've gone through my entire phone. I know Nicole's gone through her entire phone. Amanda, anybody that lives here that knows Shannon, mm -hmm. they pretty much have the same contact list. Okay. So if there's somebody that's not on that on my phone, it's on theirs. Okay. Has somebody? Uh, I think the police have Nicole's phone. Or I'm sorry, your wife's phone, right? Yes. And I don't want to pronounce her name wrong. Shannon. 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 Okay. So the police have Shannon's phone. Yep. Do they have your phones? Have they looked at your phones? I don't think so. Okay. Can I run that out and have them look real quick? Yeah. Okay. Is there any password I'm going to run into? No, 3307. 3307? 3387. 3387. I'm sure at this point in Chris Watts' head, he had to wonder if he was being investigated. It sure seemed like it. Agent Coder was now looking into the digital footprint, and Chris Watts knew this could only lead to one place. Look for these contacts. Look for this uh, Instagram. Look for this Snapchat. You know? So, like, the only thing on here that's... I would say it's going to be weird because our contact list is the same. Oh, you guys have a shared contact yeah, like, list? Yeah, like Google. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, I've, like, all the, yeah. What drove me nuts is that when she, like, downloaded to the cloud, it multiplied or duplicated, duplicated, duplicated. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, so this, this is the same person over and over Ten again. Ten people over time. Oh, okay. So we have the same contact okay. list. So I'm going to run this out. Okay. Um, so three three oh three three eight seven, three, three, eight, seven. And I really want them to just not physically rip this phone apart, but really dive in. Okay. And is that, are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll just, I'm going to hand this off to somebody. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. Watching the interview unfold is interesting. Chris Watts sits hunched over, trying his best to remain calm, collected. He doesn't want to reveal any emotion. He doesn't want to give Agent Coder any hint of guilt. But Agent Coder isn't easily fooled. He just sits back, listening to Chris, allowing him to talk, and only asking questions here and there. Let him tell the story, he thinks to himself. And Chris does. But it's unconvincing. And Agent Coder isn't buying it. Um, can we talk about something that's kind of hard to talk about? So when I work investigations like this, I have to keep an open mind on everything. Okay. And part of keeping an open mind is listening to you talk about your wife and your marriage. And the day she goes missing is the day that you guys have marital discord. Okay. So you can understand yeah, what I'm thinking about you. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, makes me sick to my stomach, honestly. Like, I know, like, I've talked to a few of my friends, it's like, you know, this does not look good on you. I'm like, I know. It's like, 
people that if people knew that we were having marital issues, they're gonna look at me, especially with the way everything looks. And it honestly just makes me sick to my stomach because this is something that I would never do. Ever. I, I know like you have to look at every every vantage point. This is something I would never do to my kids or my wife at all. I'm not sure like what I could do to like to make people believe that just because if they if they knew we were having marital discord they would automatically look at me. But there's no I would harm anybody in my family. At all. I know we were having marital discord and we had that conversation that morning and then she goes, we have no idea where she is, or the kids. I promise you that I had nothing to do with any of that. Are you telling me the truth? I'm telling you the absolute truth. Why should I believe you? Because I'm a very trustworthy person. And the people that do know me, they know how I'm a calm person. I am not an argumentative person. I am a person who is never going to be abusive or physical in any kind of relationship. I would never harm my kids. I would never harm my wife. I mean, you can talk. I mean, any, you can talk to any of my friends, any of her friends. They know me. They know I'm a low-key guy. That's quiet. I'm. I'm not about confrontation. I'm not about anything that elevates to that level. I mean, you can like if someone like yells at me, screams at me, I just take it and I just try to get it by the wayside and get it back to where it's a cool, like, just a cool conversation to where like none of that, none of that gets to that height. Because I am not that person. I've never been that person. At one point during the interview, Agent Coder kind of apologizes to Chris. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was like, I'd rather get this rolling right here. Sorry. All right. Um, I hope you realize I'm someone that you can call and trust. Mm -hmm. And again, I put the screws to you, but that's because I need to. I know. Okay. You did a really good job tonight. Okay. Maybe at this point he meant it, but it was probably just to keep things level between the two of them and to encourage cooperation. And then, Agent Coder thanks Chris, gets up, and walks out of the interview room. Um, do you have any questions for me? No, just, okay. we gotta find these two, and my wife. I'll show you the other picture on my phone. Okay. Let me, go see, just just yeah. <laughs> Let me go see where they are with the phone. Okay. And then we're gonna, um, if you're gonna go to your friend's house, then we might not include you very much at the house, at your house. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna try to leave you alone for the night, but if we get somewhere, um, if we can't get in the house, if we find something we got to talk to you about tonight, I'll have my, I'll have and I can't again. wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll have my again. Okay. okay. All right. Anything else? Just try to find them. No. Okay. I know. I know. Um, I appreciate you coming in tonight. Mm -hmm. All right. Give me a few minutes.
down the gate right now. As he's out of the room, Chris picks up a photo of his family that's on the table and looks it over, holding it in his hand, staring at it as the clock ticks away. If it wasn't for the sound of the ticking, I would have thought the video was frozen or paused. What was going through his mind at this moment, I could only imagine. For over 30 minutes, he sat staring at the photo in his hands. And then... Agent Coder came back into the room. How you feeling? Okay. Thanks for letting us use your phone. No problem. Um, so, we're trying to figure this out um, without sending you home with a bunch of questions, right? Yeah. We'd like to be able to tell you this is our plan for tomorrow. So, so far it looks like um, some of the things we need to do at your house are better at night and some are better in the morning. So, we're, we're going to probably split the difference and start very early in the morning. Um, now, between now and very early is probably about three, four hours, right? Okay. Um, is it possible for you to not go home during that time to your house? Okay. Can you go straight to your friend's? I'm going to show my friend's right here. Okay. And then when you go straight to your friend's house, um, is it okay to ask that you don't go back to your house? You just call me and give me a word. Okay. I'm All right. Safe. Okay. So we'd like to be able to... I don't want to do two searches at your house. Because that will say to the public, oh boy, FBI's really interested in him. And then that's going to be a storm coming at you that we don't want. Okay, So we'll do that. We're going to send you home, go to your friend's house, get a good night's sleep, um, pick up your dad at 8 or 9. Yeah, just have to verify when he leaves at like 5 Eastern time. He already has a ticket? Yeah. Do you know what, when he's flying in, like what he's flying in on or the company? Or? I told him to go to United Airlines, it was cheaper, but I'm not okay. sure because the price kept changing on him. He bought his ticket? Yeah. Okay, what's his name? Ronnie Watts. Ronnie Watts, okay. Um, so we'll send you to your friend's house. You know, again, I can't tell you, you cannot go in your house, but I'd like you to not go in your house um, if you can do that. And then we'll start early in the morning. I'll check in with you at around 8 or 9. Okay. Um, you'll probably be on your way to the airport if not already there. And then can you, after that, can you just come straight here? Yeah. Let's, let's talk. Let's get everything out of the way. Let's get done with your search. And then we're just going to you know, send you on your way, and we'll be back to this Chris, the good Chris, right? Okay. Um, I'm sorry you have to go through all this. this it's part of the process. Okay. So you guys can stay in my house overnight, or? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, and, but actually, yes. <laughs> okay. They w there will be someone at your house. Okay. Uh, there will be a patrol officer in the front and in the back, um, and then... Yeah, they're going to make sure. Well, and the reason is we don't want anyone else going to your house either. Okay. Some nosy reporters, some nosy neighbors. Some the reporters will be there because they, they're, they're just cycling in and doing some yeah. Yeah. spots here. Right, yeah. So, But we also want to make sure that they're not sticking a camera in your window and, you know, doing some sort of weird piece about your house and your home. And So, yeah, there will be. we'll make sure that no one else gets in there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they always there will be someone in the front and the back. While Chris was speaking with Agent Coder, friends Nick and Amanda Thayer waited in the parking lot. They were there to show support. They arrived at approximately 7.30 and waited in the parking lot until around 11 when Chris Watts came out of the interview. Chris wasn't allowed to go back to his house that night because police were still searching it and they'd be there until the morning. 
so we went with Nick and Amanda back to their house for the night. When they got back to the Thayer's home, Chris told them all about how the interview went. He said one guy interviewed him and he said he was aggressive and was throwing all kinds of accusations around. Even asking Chris, what did you do with your wife and children? And he told Nick and Amanda he noticed how after the agent asked him that, he suddenly went back to being nice. He told them how he was asked the same question over and over again, but in different ways. And that's when he told them he agreed to a polygraph, and that he would be going back to the police department in the morning to take that test. And? He would set in motion this series of events that would ultimately lead to his conviction. But he was still a long way from telling detectives the real story. The full story. When I first started this podcast, I never really knew just how deep this case went. So many angles and so many theories. Some that seem so credible that you just have to wonder. Why wasn't any of this addressed during the initial investigation? As I pointed out in earlier episodes, this whole thing happened so fast. So fast that law enforcement barely had a chance to digest all of the information, to review all of the interviews and follow up on all of the leads before the case was closed and Chris Watts was convicted of the crime. But what puzzles me the most was Chris Watts' willingness to just go with the flow and, as usual, do what he was being told to do. There were so many parts of this case, which we will discuss in future episodes, that just didn't make any sense at all. And at times, it almost seemed like prosecutors were just trying to sweep it all under the rug. I've come to realize that there are so many curious, passionate, and vocal people who have spent a lot of time reviewing every part of this case and raising their own questions. And to them, what I've brought to the table in this first season has been just a drop in the bucket. But for those who are not familiar with this crime, I hope to shed light on aspects of this case that many, including myself, cannot seem to let go of. It's the curiosity of the unknown and the willingness to provide answers that keep us going. And hopefully, one day our questions will be answered. At 8 a.m. on August 15, 2018, Law enforcement received a phone call from Anadarko Regional Security Manager Tony Husky. Tony said he was reviewing Chris Watts' computer network traffic, and he said it was possible Chris started a relationship with another Anadarko employee. He said he found emails between Chris and another employee who he identified as Nicole Nikki Kessinger. He said it appeared a relationship between them started around June of 2018. This information, combined with the digital footprint left behind on Chris Watts' phone, would paint for detectives a story of lust, infidelity, lies, and murder. It was also around this time law enforcement would look into the GPS data from Chris Watts' work truck, and they learned he had driven all the way to the oil battery known as Survey 319 on the morning of August 13th. Later that morning at 9.30am, Chris left to pick his dad up from the airport. And then, almost 20 minutes later at 9.49am, Nicole Kessinger contacted law enforcement. Nicole Kessinger would come clean to law enforcement before they would need to contact her themselves. Although by this point law enforcement was already connecting the dots and it was only a matter of time before they closed in on Nicole Kessinger and brought her in for questioning. But it didn't look good for Chris Watts. He was just at the police station the night before telling Agent Coder that there was no infidelity in their marriage and that everything was fine. The pieces were all starting to come together, and Nicole Kessinger's phone call to police was just another blow in Chris Watts' credibility. Detectives were now in a pretty good spot. They had all this new information that could possibly explain the motive behind the disappearance of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste Watts. 
and they must have thought by this point that Chris Watts was not only lying to them about the circumstances leading up to the disappearance, but he could also be lying about not knowing what happened to them. At 11am on August 14th, after picking his dad up from the airport, Chris Watts returned to the Frederick Police Department. He was there to take a polygraph test, the one he agreed to take the night before. Detective Dave Baumover would ask CBI agent Tammy Lee to conduct the test. At this point, considering the fact that Chris Watts has basically been living a lie, I'm not sure why he would have agreed to a lie detector test. I mean, unless he actually thought he was clever enough to trick the lie detector, he must have known it would reveal him for what he was. Back in squad interview room number two, Tammy Lee sits at the table. A laptop half open in front of her with the equipment spread across the table ready to start the test. Detective Baumover tries his best to put Chris at ease. But what Chris doesn't know is that law enforcement already knows the lie he's kept secret from everybody for so long, and the next sequence of events would be the final nail in Chris Watts' credibility. yesterday, okay, um, I'm knocking out the polygraph, yeah. um, why don't we do that today, okay. why don't we do that now, okay. um, we'll get that out of the way when you're done, um, this is Tammy, did you meet Tammy yesterday? No, that's okay. the only one is Tammy. Hi Chris, how are you? Alright, so then when we're done, we'll, um, we'll figure out our game plan that I was talking about today. Um, okay. Does your dad have availability to use the car if you're going to be here for like an hour or more? Can you drive? Okay, and I'll go explain to him everything that's going on. Okay, he, he will know where to go, but... Oh, okay, well, we can... Well, I can the house. He knows I get to the house, but okay. if it's not ready, he can't go in there, but... Okay. Does he know how you use G- GPS on his phone? Or yeah, but he wouldn't know, like, you know, where else to go besides my house. Oh, that's true. Because, okay. you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I can tell him if, if he gets to go to my friend's house, if... Okay. I'm not sure, like, if I'd be here for an hour or, like, four hours. Do you, do you want me to just go talk to him and let him know when the house is going to be ready and all that and when he can go? Because he can go grab a bite to eat or something, right? Oh, yeah, like, if there's, everything should be open by now around here. So. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm sure well, he's, he's been flying since, like, 5 o'clock each yeah. of those times, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, why don't we knock this out? Okay. Um, I think it's the best thing to do to move past all of this. Um, right. And then um, I'll go talk to your dad. He'll have the keys. Everything will be good. Okay. Yeah. You have this number, so you can call him when you're done. There, there's like no signal in this place, so. Oh, that yeah. Is, that's why I couldn't talk to you earlier. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, between him and me, we'll figure out how to communicate <laughs> and, and get him where he needs to go. Okay. Yeah. So I've been getting text messages from like a lot of news places. Okay. I don't know really, like. You know, I think that's part of maybe what we game plan today. Um, I mean, not, not just here, like, yeah, like today show, or I don't like know what to do with yeah. that. Well, I think that you certainly can do whatever you need to or want to do. Um, but I think that after this, after we knock this out, we get we know we get back to the team and we make a plan. Okay, so um, we get different like advice, like as far as like her mom says, like if it's a kidnapping, then I would. She says not to talk to anybody. Yeah. But like I'm not like torn of what to do. Well, I her mom told you not to talk. Yeah, her mom's saying because she was advised by someone like a like police or a detective there that like if he talks to the media, it might. Oh, like, to the media. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I thought you're talking about to the police. Oh no no, like, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 like just the media in general, like yeah. this gone. To join the discussion and gain access to police reports, interviews, and material related to this episode, head to theunforgivables.com. Content is updated weekly, and you're welcome to review the documents and come to your own conclusions. Thanks for listening to The Watts Tapes. We'll be back next week with a new episode. 
And you can listen to all the episodes of The Watts Tapes for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review. It really does help.